kids who haven't been around other kids, kids who haven't been to daycare or school, kids who are, you know, really young. We've been seeing disproportionate number of kids that are two years old coming into the hospital with significant illness because they've never seen an RSV before. The mask has made a huge impact on us. And this proves that mask prevents disease because now that we're no longer masking, the disease is spreading. Life is complicated, but getting healthy doesn't need to be. And hello, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Inland Medical Center's Health Matters. This is a monthly podcast that gets real about wellness, and we get to check in on ourselves. I'm Susie Lowry Hall, and I'll be your host. We're going to have some candid conversations on health topics that matter most to you and our loved ones and our family. And the goal is to empower, inspire, and make a difference. We're going to be joined with Inlow experts with real insight and real stories from people just like you and me. And we're going to learn easy steps that we can take to start down the road to wellness. This year, regions across the United States have seen a significant increase in respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, cases. While this respiratory virus typically causes mild cold-like symptoms, RSV can be serious for both infants and older adults. Locally, Inlow Medical Center has seen a similar increase in RSV cases and admissions to the medical center. In this episode, we are joined with Amy Dolinar. She's Inlow's Director of Children's Services. She's going to break down RSV, including the causes, symptoms, and the impact it's having on our community. Thanks so much, Dr. Dolinar, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, I just wanted to tell us a little bit about you. Well, I am from California. I was born at UC Davis and grew up here in Paradise Chico area. My family had a house in Paradise until the fire in 2018. And I went to college in Ohio and medical school in Ohio, and then residency at Loma Linda University Children's Center and graduated and came up here to start my practice. I was up here for a good six years in private practice, and then I couldn't keep things going with the economy. So I changed roads and uh, started going across the country. I was in Missouri for a couple years, and then in Arkansas for a couple years, and now I'm back in California because this is my home. A lot of my Welcome. family still live in this area. <laughs> nice. And Enlo Medical Center is one of the best places I've ever worked. Aw, that's nice. I think I agree. I think this is one of the best places I've ever worked. So we'll get down to it. So just tell us in plain terms, what is RSV? RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, is a virus that is common. If there's hundreds of different types of it, and it's all over the community. We, it's, we see it every year, most commonly in the months of November through April, but sometimes it's a little early and sometimes it's a little late. It usually disproportionately affects premature and very small infants and elderly immune-suppressed adults. It causes mm-hmm. lots and lots of mucus and phlegm. What, what we all, most of us see is a common cold, stuffy nose, runny nose, you know, watery eyes, low-grade fever, sore throat, cough, and lots of mucus, and you just cough. And as an adult, an older child, you can cough that mucus up and ideally spit it out or swallow it if you're a kid. <laughs> but it's not, it's not anything that we haven't seen before, and, and our body is able to fight it off. In small infants under two months of age and infants that were premature, those middle airways, the bronchioles, get very inflamed and constricted and they can't get through that mucus and they don't have enough cough effort to be able to cough up that mucus. And so 
they end up wheezing and having difficulty breathing. So when we think about the signs and symptoms, what was interesting, so I would agree, I have small children and now that we're all back, you know, they're also back to being stuffy constantly. And so yeah. like you mentioned, that's a very common thing for kids to be snippily, but it sounds like where, where does it, where does it become like, if that's normal to when as a parent, I should be somewhat concerned about their symptoms. You mentioned coughing and wheezing, but could you be more specific? So it's normal to have a little bit of a stuffy nose, a little bit of a cough, but they should be able to eat and drink normally. They should be able to, they may be a little more sleepy, but they should be able to, you know, kind of move around some. If they're having difficulty breathing where they're sucking in, you can see their ribs or their belly is breathing in and out really hard. If they're sucking in, you see a tug at their throat around around their neck or they're making a noise called grunting. It sounds kind of like we call it singing or grunting where they go, uh, uh, with each breath. It almost sounds like they're pooping, but it's with each breath, not just once at a time. And that those are signs of distress. Those are signs that, that they need to be seeing immediately time to come to the ER. If, if they're just a little stuffy, starting to have a little harder time eating, having to stop to catch the breath when they're breastfeeding, those are signs to go see your doctor and get checked out. Ideally, you know, suction the nose before you feed, those kind of things. But if a child is in distress and they can't, they're having a hard time breathing or they're not able to eat or drink and keep fluids down, fluids are so important in this illness. You don't realize how much water you lose by breathing so hard and fast that that's another reason to come in. If they haven't peed at least four to six times in 24 hours, that's a sign of dehydration. If they're not able to cry tears, that's a sign to come in and be seen. Those are, those are things to keep in mind. And, and, you know, we always ask, you know, the pediatrician is obsessed with peas and poos. So <laughs> if, if they're not able to pee, that's why we're looking to see how dehydrated they are. Wow. I, that's really amazing. I actually didn't realize that those were, those are really impactful things, I think, for symptoms for parents to look at, and they're very helpful. So I really appreciate that. So how is RSV spread? RSV is airborne. It's spread from cough droplets. It's a respiratory virus, so it's kind of like the flu. Anybody who's sick can spread it to you, and, and adults will just have like almost like allergies or a little cold. That's why I, I recommend, especially for infants under two months of age, to avoid anybody who is sick. If you are sick, stay home. Even if you don't feel that bad, even if you don't have COVID, you're still spreading illness. And this year especially is especially bad because we no longer have herd immunity. Everybody is susceptible again because we've gone two years or more without being around each other and sharing our germs. So it's, it's hitting us hard. The first six months of daycare, your child will be sick for about six months. Expect it. That's the body building immunity. It's not a big deal unless they're in distress. But if if you like like I said before, if, if they're seeing signs of distress, like I mentioned, that's when to come in and be seen. The difficulty breathing, the not keeping food down or not keeping fluids down, etc., not urinating. I do recommend. I know people have to you know live their lives and go to the grocery store and things like that. So if they have a small child under two months of age and they, they need to go to the grocery store. Cover them up, Cover. put a blanket over them. Don't let adults come up and touch or kiss on them that you don't know. And even if you do know them, if they're sick, don't let them be around your baby. And the number one thing, 100%, wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. Yeah. The other important thing is to try not to smoke around your child. If you, if you can't quit smoking, I recommend people 
taking a smoking shirt or jacket and smoke outside and then come back in, take your jacket off and wash your hands and face. Get that smoke allergen off the baby. But if you're possible, if at all possible, quit smoking because that is one of the huge, huge risk factors for spreading uh, respiratory viruses and increasing the risk of asthma. So I actually, one quick follow-up question for you too is it sounds like RSV might be present in the space, but not everyone is susceptible to it. Would that be correct? Or well, actually, like, I have RS, I mean, I don't, but if my child had RSV, could it, would they give RSV with, with their symptoms or would their response to that virus be the same or does it vary among family members? It, it varies, but almost everybody in the family will probably get it. It just depends on how bad it is for mm. you. Everybody, every time you get it, you build immunity to it. And like I said, there's lots of different viruses, but each virus has a little bit different. So you'll get, you know, maybe a, a couple of days of, of a runny nose or congestion, maybe a little bit of a sore throat, and then you're fine. Another another person might have a longer illness, a little more of a fever, but, but they're not going to necessarily think it's that big of a deal, especially if they're COVID negative. In smaller children is where you're going to see more of an effect. Kids who haven't been around other kids, kids who haven't been to daycare or school, kids who are, you know, really young. We've been seeing disproportionate number of kids that are two years old coming into the hospital with significant illness because they've never seen their RSV before. They haven't. The mask has made a huge impact on us. And this proves that mask prevents disease because now that we're no longer masking, the disease is spreading. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good point. And then, so what is our, what's the treatment option? What can people do? But when so they're diagnosed, what's the options? There's no cure for RSV. It's all, and to be clear, it's not just RSV. There's a whole bunch of different viruses that cause what we call bronchiolitis or inflammation of the small, medium airways. There's no cure. It's all supportive care. So first thing you want to do is make sure that they can breathe. You can suck their nose out, nose frida, bulb suction. Those things are helpful. Saline. And then, especially around feeding times and trying to go to bed, if if there's super coffee, there are some homeopathic remedies that some people try, six in one, half a dozen the other. I figure if you can try it, if it helps, great. If it doesn't help, don't do it. That's my rule of thumb. I like it. As far as if they're in distress and they, they're worried and they want to be seen, their doctor can come see them. It is not necessary to have a test to prove you have RSV. We treat based on symptoms. And treatment is, again, supportive care, pushing fluids. And if they need oxygen, then they need to come to the hospital. Oxygen, if they're in the hospital, things that we will do is oxygen. We'll put an IV in to help them get hydration because that's going to help not have to worry about trying to get them to drink. We'll be checking labs and getting x-rays. We also have other modalities if, they're, if they have significant increased work of breathing. That means they're they're retracting where their lungs are sucking in or breathing really hard. They're grunting. They're trying to push through all that mucus. We have what's called heated high flow nasal cannula that we can use that will give a little extra pressure with each breath to help open up those airways. We also have some medicines called albuterol, which is a bronchodilator. That helps um, relieve the smooth muscles around those bronchioles and hopefully dilate them so they can get more air through. In the past, albuterol hasn't necessarily been helpful for RSV, but this year seems to be a little bit different, and it has been helpful in, in a majority of cases, so we do try it. And even some of our outpatient community doctors will be giving albuterol out as a nebulizer medicine as an outpatient, so it's another option. In the hospital, we have some other options like hypertonic saline and 
some other medicines that we can try like steroids. Those things are all dependent on how they progress and what they respond to. It, it's kind of a trial and error thing, but the main thing is to get them through the illness and it usually lasts a good seven to 10 days. The worst part of the illness is days three and five, three to five. If they can get through around day five, a lot of times they're going to start getting better from that point. Now, if you see a child who's had RSV and they're looking really good and then they get to day five and all of a sudden they spike a high fever, that can usually be due to a secondary infection, like a secondary ear infection or pneumonia or something like that. So if you have a child who's had a fever for longer than five days or a fever that spikes pretty high after five days of illness, that's another reason to go be seen. You touched on this a little bit. You know, you noted that Inla's been seeing a, a spike in cases. So how has the virus impacted us here at Inlo? So to to be clear, you know, we're a community hospital, but we do have a pretty robust hospitalist team. So we've been able to keep more kids than not. We have a five-bed licensed pediatric unit, but we've been expanding and the hospital has been very accommodating. We've had up to 15 patients a day in the pediatric side, which is unprecedented. It hasn't been like this since before 1995. And it's a day-by-day thing that the census goes up and down each day, but it's usually the sickest kids that come in and we keep them as long as we can. The, the downside is, is that the rest of the country is having the same problem. The rest of the state is having the same problem. And there's no, there's very few ICU beds available. And so intensive care level patients sometimes will stay with us, but we will have intensive care staffing for that if we need to until we are able to get them to a higher level of care. We do not, unfortunately, have a pediatric ICU at Enlo, so we are not that able to keep those kind of kids, unfortunately. But everybody that we've made to transfer has been able to be transferred, sometimes with a little bit of a wait, but we get them taken care of. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, because what I was thinking is this must be really scary for families. That this sounds like a very intense experience for people. And so what would be some of the the advice or some words of comfort that you would offer if this is something the family's going through? So the advice I have is be patient with everybody. We are all worried about your child and we want to help and we're going to do our best to help. And, you know, none of us are trying to do any harm. That's, that's the first tenet in medicine, do no harm. And so we are doing what we think is correct to help get your child through this illness. If you're in the hospital, just take one each day at a time and each step at a time and listen to to the nurses and the doctors because we're there to help you. Expect that your child will need an IV if they have to be admitted in the hospital. That is 100% expected because they need that fluid to be able to fight the illness. The thicker... The more dehydrated they, they get, the thicker that mucus gets, the harder it is to breathe through. And then they and they can't breastfeed or bottle feed enough to be able to make up for the amount of water they're losing by as hard as they're working to breathe. And a lot of times if they're working to breathe really hard, they're not able to eat because they're breathing too hard. Mm-hmm. So, and just be there and work with us and try not to come in if you, if you don't think your kid is that sick. Maybe check in with your doctor first and then get the advice. We can always do some advice call lines, a lot of insurances and community partners have nurse nurse advice lines that, that are helpful too. And and just the process, but be patient. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this 
conversations actually really close to home prior to us recording, I was discussing how my nephew, when he was a baby, he's not a baby anymore, but he had RSV and he was hospitalized for nine days. It was yeah. a pretty intense case. And then again, you know, he's fine. He's a grown adult now, but he, yeah, yeah he came home, had albuterol treatment. And it was, and it's a lot, you know, for a parent as even like a, you know, an auntie, it's a distressful, mm-hmm. it's a very, it's distressing to watch yeah. the family go through it, to watch this little kid go through it, but they do get through it, you know, cause that's the other yes, thing. I do. think kids are pretty resilient. They're, kids are they're stronger than us. <laughs> <laughs> they get through it. It's scary yeah. during the time, but afterwards they're fine. And, and realize this is, this is them building immunity. It's unlikely that they will have another, you know, another severe case, not, not impossible, but unlikely in the future once they've been exposed now. So each time they get a little cold, it gets a little bit better. It's not as bad as the next time or as the last time. So, but you know, I don't, we are very proactive in taking care of these kids. I haven't, I don't have any of the statistics on, on the, mortality, but I know that morbidity is definitely high this year. There's a lot of more kids ending up in the hospital, but they're still going home. They're getting better and going home once we get them through the illness. Well, well I think that that's pretty reassuring, right? Yeah. I mean, I like that. That's good news. So we are coming to an end. I just, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to say about RSV and the way it's affecting the community this year that you want to share? I just want to reiterate that, you know, if, if you're just a little bit sick, you don't necessarily need a test, just kind of treat symptomatically. If you are concerned, you can go to your doctor. We are kind of running low on the tests out in the community. If, if you go in and we say you have bronchiolitis, you probably have bronchiolitis. Like I said, it's not just RSV. There's influenza, there's parainfluenza, there's rhinovirus, adenovirus. A lot of kids are actually getting multiple illnesses at the same time, like the flu and rhinovirus or, or RSV and rhinovirus. You see that a lot. If it's possible and your child's over six months of age, I recommend getting COVID and flu vaccines because that will be protective against those illnesses. And do your best to, to avoid other people who are sick. And if you're sick, stay home. I love that. I do think as a culture, we are not encouraged to stay home when we're not well, but I would agree. I know. Or wear we a mask. try to work through it, but yeah. And, and wear a mask. Yeah, mask. Or wear a mask if you're not sure. Yeah. Right. Masks are definitely, I mean, I was able to go through two and a half years working in the hospital without getting COVID with masks. So it definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're so grateful for all this information. I know for someone, a parent, I found it very informative and I, I feel really confident even still just hearing this, knowing what's the difference between like, it's just a cold or I need to be concerned. And so I really, really appreciate you bringing that to this, this podcast. That was really helpful for me. And I'm sure it was helpful for everyone who joined us today. So thank you again, Dr. Dolinar for everything. We're so grateful for you and your expertise. Have a healthy holiday and a healthy winter. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. If you like what you heard today, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe and share. The story you share just may save a life. Thanks again for getting real with us today and listening to Health Matters.